0: Amen. All right, well, while they're doing that, as you're receiving the offering, if you have your Bibles, turn with me, please, to 1 John chapter 1. Now, uh, I heard Logan was a little concerned this morning because part of the big buildup to serve Sunday was that Pastor Dave was gonna preach for like seven minutes. <laughs> like, that was, the big, that was the big buildup. He'll preach for seven minutes, and then we'll be on our way. Um, well, since it's raining... Um, I, I want to preach as long as I can so you don't have to get wet on the way back to the parking lot. And uh, So I'm just kidding. So my, I'm going to try Logan for you. I'll try and keep it around 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> that's just for him. At some point, I'll dismiss everybody else, and I'll keep preaching at, uh, at Logan. So, But hey, we are in the midst of our series, or we're going to conclude our series, Moved by Hope. Uh, we began Easter Sunday with the question, Moves you, And have you noticed that lots of people are moved by lots of things? And that as beings, we keep chasing. We think, boy, if I could just get this or if I can just get this, man, that's going to make my life better. And so people will chase relationships. They'll chase finances. They'll chase a career, different things. Yet, yet, yet we believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ actually gives everyone a reason to hope. That Jesus has come, that we might have life, life more abundantly And that He longs to give us a hope that's greater than our fears, our worries, our disappointments, our uncertainties, our situations, and our circumstances. And as we've kind of talked through this whole idea of being moved by hope, we've talked about the importance of finding courage. That that hope gives us courage to keep moving uh, beyond the the, the times where we can be a little bit afraid or or timid by what we're facing. We also talked about how hope gives us the ability to, to develop resiliency, that the grace of Jesus enables and empowers us to, to keep standing because we know that, that where we're at is not the end. So, today we're going to begin. I, I want to kind of conclude the series by talking about sharing hope. Now, how many remember kindergarten? How many know that was like, I, I don't know for you, but it was like the best three years of my life, kindergarten. I just, I just loved it so much. Don't, wasn't it great to be able to go to school and you were mandated to take a nap? I mean, know, like, don't, like, remember as a kid, you were fighting that, and now you're like going, oh, a chance to nap? Okay. I'm like, you just, you've, you've just given into it, you know, but uh, I, I remember uh, reading, someone wrote a book, Everything I Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. You know, I don't know how great kindergarten was for you. I didn't know that I learned everything, but I did learn some important things. I remember, like, in kindergarten, they always had a teacher. You were always working on this idea of, of learning how to share. You ever notice that people sometimes can have difficulty sharing? Okay, so my dad, now, many of you know him. My dad likes to tease. And, uh, you know, they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, and so this could be part of my issue. But I remember when my kids were just like, like just barely infants. They were like at the stage where they're just getting a little bit bigger and they would have the binky in their mouth. And my dad would, would take the binky and the kid would be having it in the mouth, sucking as all happy as can be. And dad would take the binky and pull it out of their mouth and say this word Mine. And then he'd slowly put it back toward the baby's mouth. And you know, babies are like, ah. I'm going to get it, and it get closer and closer and closer. And just as the baby's about ready to put its mouth over it, Dad would pull it again and go, mine. And I'm like, Dad, would you stop it? Because uh, that's not the lesson we're trying to teach them. But this is what I'm learning. As a grandparent, you actually have permission to mess up your kids kids. I think it's payback. So I'm some of the things I'm looking forward to, right? But 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 this whole idea of of mine. And have you ever noticed that sometimes we like to hold on to things, like we, we like to keep the good things for ourselves. Now, so I was a terrible parent um, because we would get the good ice cream for us and the generic ice cream for the kids. Because how many of you know kids don't have discerning tastes? Can I get a witness on this one? Like pull out the Walmart ice cream and go, here, kids, you can have this, but don't you dare touch the Perries, right? Like the Chocolate, uh, chocolate. What is it? The cherry panda paws by Perry's. Oh, good lord! That's just like, uh, and you. It was just like that's not for the kids, because kids are not going to appreciate it, but dad does, right? And you, you have those. You're like, this is mine. And, and I, and I, and I got to tell you, I, I still wrestle with this. So, Christmas time, Aldi sells one of my favorite cookies, and those are the uh, the peppermint Oreo cookies. Have you, Emmy, here, have had one of those? They're like, they're like the Christmas special. They're like candy cane pieces broken up in the white stuff. And they are so delicious. And they're seasonal. And they go on the shelf and they're gone. And so my precious bride loves me so much that she'll go in. And if they're there, she'll buy stacks of them. And she brings them home to me. And I'm like, this is so awesome. And then I take them and I hide them in the cupboard. And then we portion them out through the years. And, and just so you know, if you come over to our house, we love you. But we're not going to give you those cookies. <laughs> those are mine, right? Uh, and even if we do give you some, you get two. No more than two, because two is sufficient, because we're trying to save them, right? But, but we have this idea that this is, this is mine, and, and we hold on to sometimes the good things, because we're like, I, I don't, I don't want to lose the good things. Y- yet, as I keep getting older, I'm, I'm learning the good stuff, there's something uh, wonderful that happens when you actually begin to share the good stuff. You're actually giving people an opportunity to experience something that, that you enjoy. It's actually, you'll find out that, that sometimes it's a part of you and you're just like going, I want you to experience the goodness that I've experienced. And so even though I say you come over to my house, I won't offer them to you. Um, I can be shamed into it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> as you will offer them. Things like maple syrup. How many love maple syrup? and we make our maple syrup and we're learning to share that because we want people to to share the good stuff because there's something about sharing the good things we have experiences that we've had that we want other's people to 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 enjoy and and this morning as we talk about sharing hope the big idea we're going to think around is simply this that our encounter with Jesus impacts our witness and our welcome and so we'll be in 1 John chapter 1 and and the apostle John is writing to the church to encourage a right understanding of Jesus, and to inspire a right living for Jesus, and and so he begins this this uh, amazing little book. If you're looking for something to read this week, First John is a great read. Um, but I just want to look at the first four verses. Now, as as we go through this verse, what what's kind of fun about it? is it's actually a really long sentence. So if you got you a newer translation, it will be you know broken up into a number of sentences. Uh, but in the language that John is writing, it includes one sentence, and it has one primary verb. And so as I read it, let's see if you can figure out what the primary verb is. But it's a passage, passage that speaks powerfully about the hope of Jesus, and this is what it says. This is how he begins his letter to the church. That which was from the beginning and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Now, as we, as we read through this, again, I think this is a great... There's, there's so many wonderful things in this. But the first thing I want to note from this passage is that through Jesus we encounter hope. As John is writing to the church, you, you can hear in the first couple of verses, you'll you hear the echoes of the beginning of the Gospel of John. And if if you're familiar with it, it begins simply like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so as you begin this, this passage that we read from 1 John, it says, that which was from the beginning, and, and he pulls upon it, and he's got these echoes of 1 John, and not only is it that the, in the beginning was the word, but then there's that, there's that so crucial and important transformational verse that happens in verse 14 that says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst, among us, and we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I love this verse because it talks about that, that the Word took humanity upon Himself, that God, God took humanity upon Himself and He began to live amongst us. And John is like going, guys, listen, we have seen it. We, we have seen it. We, we, we have experienced it. For, for John, Jesus was more than just a story or a historical person. For him, Jesus was one that he had encountered. One whose life transformed and changed his life. And because of this, he's just like going, guys, I want you to understand. Everything that I'm going to share with you springs from the fact that I have encountered Jesus. I've heard him. I've seen him. Not only that, he says, and our hands have touched, and and it's kind of, if you remember, in the in the, up, in the upper room when, when Jesus shows himself to his disciples after his death and his resurrection. And he's like, come here, look at my hands, look at my side, come, come see, I am alive. And John's like, I want you to understand, I've experienced this Jesus. And it is this Jesus who has given me life, a quality of life that not even death can overcome. See, for, for John, Jesus is the hope. He is the hope for life a hope that's greater than fears and histories and habits. He encountered this hope. And as John begins, and I think this is such an important important idea for us, is that we also have had the opportunity to encounter Christ. Encountering Jesus, we've found the one who loves us and has met us on life's journey, and he's the one who has brought us life. He's not indifferent to our struggles But he meets us, and and, and, and in meeting him and in in encountering him, the trajectory of our lives have changed. How many here are grateful that you had an encounter with Jesus and your life is going in a different direction? Dude, how many remember those days, your your BC days, right? Those days where you were making your decisions and you were living for your own ends or for your own self, but, but there was that moment where you recognized, you know what? I need someone to change the trajectory of my life. I can't do it on my own. And maybe you heard about the message of Jesus. Maybe somebody lived it out, and and, and there was this encounter that you had with Jesus, and you're like, he changes everything, and because of it, your life isn't the same. You see, when we encounter Jesus, we encounter hope. And then not only does John talk about this idea that through Jesus we encounter hope, but but, but then he goes on to say that this hope that we've experienced, that this hope is worth sharing. And he says, you know what? We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. And so actually verse 3 is where we see the prime root of the whole verse. That we have encountered this Jesus, and because we've encountered Jesus, we are going to proclaim it. We are going to announce it to you. And the way that the, the word that is used there isn't just a, a reporting or an announcing, but it has a prefix on it that says that, that adds a sense of uh, intensity or passion that that for G, that for John Jesus was was someone he was passionate about, and he's like, "You know what I've experienced hope, and I want you to experience that same hope and the reason he wants them to experience the hope is so that they may have Fellowship so that others might have fellowship with us. The idea of here of fellowship is about partnering together to share life. Now, for us around the church, we, we use fellowship also often in connection with food. How many are grateful for food in the church? How many know that eating in the church means zero calories? Come on now. That's why you can go eat the muffins and cupcakes and drink the coffee and just go, what a blessing we get to be together. Because there's something about sharing a meal. And in, in John's time, in Jesus' time, that, that when you shared a meal with someone, you weren't just, you know, giving someone food. You're actually sharing life with. And this is such an important idea because the church, the intent of the church is not to be done in rows, but actually around tables. So even though we come in and we have this really efficient system by which we can sing and hear and, and, and you know, and, and, and maybe connect... Uh, truly the church isn't just about sitting in rows it's about being in circles it's about being around tables it's about being in fellowship and relationship with one another there's something that happens when we eat together We're, we're sharing a part of ourselves with another and John wants his readers to understand that he has a hope that's worth sharing and not only is it worth sharing, that, that, that it's an opportunity to experience the abundance. So if you read through the Bible, you'll find out that there are different pictures. When you get to the, you know, uh, in some of Jesus' teachings in Revelation, it talks about the, the marriage supper of the Lamb. It talks about this great banquet where everybody gets to gather together. And, and when you eat, there's, there's in some ways, it's the celebration of relationship. It's, it's the opportunity to experience abundance. You know, we do this at Thanksgiving, don't we? we? We celebrate abundance because there's so much. And John's like, listen, there is so much abundance that God has that he longs to pour it out and to share it with everyone. And because of it, for John, he had this deep conviction that he was called to be a witness A witness to the hope, the hope that he received, the the hope that he encountered, that he was to share it with another. I love the idea of being a witness. A witness is simply one who shares what they have seen and heard, what they've experienced. How many know there's a difference between being a witness and being an attorney? The attorney's trying to litigate a case, an attorney's trying to to get a point across and and to get to a certain thing. The, The role of the witness is just simply to say, you know what? This is what I experienced. This is what I saw. This is what I heard. This is is what I went through. And John is like, listen, I want you to understand that the hope that I am sharing is the hope that I've experienced as a witness. But not only is it about witnessing, it's also about welcoming. It's about welcoming people to the table to experience the goodness and bounty of our God. John says, uh, we want you to be part of of our fellowship, because when you're a part of our fellowship, our fellowship is connected with the fellowship with God. I love the New Testament because it presents this idea of uh, hospitality. Um, So hospitality, the way it's constructed in the Greek, has two different words that are kind of slammed together. The first one has to do with aliens and foreigners. Now... You may not know this, but, but I was once an alien, not, not this kind, but an alien, <laughs> a foreigner. Did, did you know what, as, as an alien, I live in the United States, I came here in 1991, I don't think, I can, I think it was 2018 is when I became a citizen. But up until that time, did you, did you know that even though I got to be here, there were a lot of things I couldn't participate in. I couldn't do elections, I, I couldn't vote, and, and I have opinions. And there are, there are preferred futures I have. And I, yeah, I would love to do it, but, but if, you're, if you're an alien, you really don't get to participate in certain things. You may not realize this, but a number of years ago, I was actually approached in the town of Lansing, and I was asked if I would serve on the school board, if I would run for school board. And, and I was like, well, that's kind of intriguing. And they sent me the whole bylaws to be a school board member. And you know what? If you want to serve on the school board... You have to be a citizen, And I was like, "Oh, I don't get to be a part of that." And so this idea of hospitality, I want you to understand, is this idea. It takes this idea if you're you're a foreigner, you're, you're an alien, there, there's a whole bunch of stuff you don't get to participate in. And then it ties together the word, which means to love as in family or kin, it's like it's the love that you have as a family. How many know that that sometimes your family may annoy you, but you keep loving them because they're your family, right? You're teaching your, yes. Just so you know, next week we're going to deal with some marital issues that Dwayne's been dealing with. Oh, 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 wait. I'm just kidding. So, um, but 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 you know you know you, you love your family and and so we have statements like this blood is thicker than water like you know what we're we're just we're family we're kin and and, and because of it you know we, we just love people through thick and thin they may be the weird crazy uncle but they're still family right because when you're a part of the family you get to be a part of the family you, you share in the stuff of family and and the idea of hospitality in the New Testament is that. You take people who are not able to be a part, and you say, you know what? We want you to be a part. Be a part of our family. We want you to experience the bounty of the house. You're not just just a guest who who comes in and sits as an outsider. You get to be a part of the family, and this is what Jesus does. Jesus, and and John will write about this, that that to all who believed him, uh, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, That you get to be a part of the family and and we share the hope because we got this amazing hope. You can be a part of the family. And not only do we witness to the hope, but we welcome people. So through Jesus we encounter hope. Secondly, our hope is worth sharing. And lastly, shared hope enlarges joy. John will say at the end in verse 4, we write this to make our joy complete. That we might experience the fullness of joy. There's something about sharing joy with people that makes joy greater. That there's something about sharing a, abundance with, with others that, that makes, it, makes it better. That there's a Swedish proverb that says, shared joy is double joy and shared sorrow is half sorrow. That, that, that when you begin to do life with people, that, that you know what? How many of you know shopping's fun? <laughs> okay, Cheryl, I got one. How many know shopping with friends is better? Okay, Um, like like there's something when you start doing stuff together, there's a joy that comes. Like how many know eating is good? How many know eating with friends is better? Right? How many know going to movies can be fun? Going to movies with friends is better. There's something that happens. Well, it depends if you have the right kind of friend. (laughs) Somebody's not spoiling the movie. Oh, I saw this. I don't like this. And there's all the plot holes. Sorry, I was just thinking that. Yeah there's some people you don't want to take the movies. I'm just letting you know. But but, but there but, but when you really when you when you do stuff with people it's amazing how your joy is 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 increased. Like and 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 part of this is that that joy when when you share joy with other people you end up finding that that it actually elevates the amount of joy uh, in the room. And this is why we find strength in doing stuff together. And it's not only just joy, and and, and even as the second half of the Swedish proverb says, it says, shared sorrow is half a sorrow. That going through bad things alone is just rough, but having people that you can go with with you, you may be actually able to get through it. And, And to me, this is so important because one of the things that Jesus wants for your life and mine is for us to know joy. Did you know that? Jesus didn't come to make his people miserable. Can I get a witness on that? Because I mean, you are looking really miserable. <laughs> Jesus didn't come to make us miserable. He came to bring us joy. And Jesus told his followers, he says, hey, guys, listen, there are going to be times where he was getting ready to, to, to go to the cross. He says, you know what? You're going to experience grief, and it's going to feel terrible. But I want you to know your grief is going to be turned into joy. And the joy that I'm going to give you is going to be a joy that no one can take away that you can experience a joy even in the midst of the hard times because ultimately, you know what we know as followers of Jesus? Not even death could stop him. Not not even when we thought, well, this is the end. Jesus is like, I'm not done yet. And so there was a hope. And for us as people of hope, there's a joy that we experience. And when that hope is shared and people receive that, that hope, all of a sudden the joy continues to increase because when we begin to share our hope, It enlarges our joy. You see, as we encounter, our encounter with Jesus impacts our witness and our welcome. So, how do we begin to share hope? I think it begins by receiving His grace. It's about receiving His grace because if we are going to share hope with other people, we need to be recipients of the grace that gives us hope. Allowing His grace to transform our lives, to transform our stories. But not only that, we need to, to take time to shine his light and to live a life that reflects his life. Have you ever noticed that our, th- there's a sense of darkness and foreboding that often fills the culture? Anybody here get a little discouraged and feel a little powerless? You're like going, oh my goodness, it just seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. And you, sometimes you feel a little overwhelmed by it. Anybody here ever experienced that? Okay, did you know you're not the only one? There's lots of people that are feeling it. They're they're wrestling with the darkness. And even people who think they're getting what they want find out, but I got what I want, but it hasn't given me what I want. And there's a darkness that permeates. And the reality is, is hope is only, the true hope is found in Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus looks at his disciples and says, guys, listen, you're the light of the world. You're you're the light of the world. In in a culture where it just seems like darkness is all around, you are the light of the world. And then he talks about a city on a hill. And then he says this, no one takes a lamp and lights it and then puts it under a bowl. Right? Okay. Let me help you see that maybe a little bit differently. Um, Nobody lights a lamp and then just buries it inside a church building. Y'all with me on this one? Like, I'm grateful you're here, um, and, 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 and you're beautiful. Your light is not just for us. It's for our world. So often the church hides, out, it hides its light underneath the canopy of its buildings. We are called to shine light. This is why we are doing a serve Sunday or a serve Saturday or a serve something. Because what God has called us to do is to take our light and just shine it into the darkness. To go where people are at, where people are struggling and they're wrestling with things. And we're saying, you know what? We are here just simply to be a light. It was Jesus who said, let your light shine before others. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So if we are going to share hope, what we have to do is we have to make sure we are taking our light and that we are shining it outside of the bowl in the midst of the darkness. And in doing so, we also need to be showing his love through our words and through our deeds. Where we begin to demonstrate the love of God to others by representing him. You see, we need to help people know that they're not alone nor forgotten by God. So we we sang just a few moments ago. Pastor Dwayne let us. uh, Not for a moment. Not for a moment were you forsaken. Not for a moment you're not forgotten. Every breath, every step, you were there. Did you know that you get to be the presence of Jesus for people? You get to represent Him. You, you, you get to be the one that, that comes alongside in the midst of the darkness in a difficult situation, and you get to speak his light. You get to show the love of God to someone in a difficult place just so that they can have an encounter with the risen Savior. You see, we are his hands, we are his feet. And we represent him in our world today. And we need to allow the Spirit of God to work in us and through us that, that we would begin to show His love. The last thing we need to do if we are going to share hope is we need to welcome people to the table. Where we begin to make room for others to experience the abundance of God. Where we begin to say, okay, God, with my life, I, I want to I welcome people in. I I want people to experience your your grace, your goodness, your kindness, your mercy, and, and, and not just so that they can experience it and then go on their way, but to say, come sit at the table with us so that our joy might be full together. We need to welcome people to the table. Our hope was never to end with us. Our, the hope given to us was to be hope that was shared through us. When we begin to encounter Jesus, it begins to change everything. It impacts our witness and our welcome. It's as we've come to experience Jesus that we've encountered hope. It may be that someone came alongside us in our journey and they, and they demonstrated the love of God. They may have s- spoken a truth that we needed to hear that God loves us. forgotten us that you know what our worst day doesn't have to define our lives that jesus died on the cross in order to set us free that we might know the life that god created us for somebody stepped into our space and all of a sudden we were given hope and that hope is worth sharing That hope is worth sharing. And and when we begin to share it, and when we begin to bear witness to what it is that Christ has done, when we begin to welcome other people around the table, all of a sudden our shared hope, all of a sudden it it, it begins to grow, this, this sense of joy increases. I think what our world needs is hope. Not just any hope, the hope of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus has the power to change everything. Has the power to change and impact any person, any family, any trajectory. Because He is still greater than any situation and circumstance. He is greater than any fear or worry. He is greater than any disappointment or uncertainty. And we have the hope. And that hope needs to move us. That hope needs to help us become courageous enough to live beyond the bowl. To, to give us resiliency, to keep loving, even when sometimes we share hope and people don't want it. Have you ever noticed people don't always like what we like or want what we want? They may not always want the hope that that, that we have found, but you know what? We believe that there are people who need to hear and they need to be welcomed and invited. And because of our hope, we keep sharing, even in the face of setback. What's going to change our world? It's the hope of Jesus Christ. And we have the privilege of serving Him and representing Him and being light and and being love. Has His hope changed you? I challenge you to share that hope with others. I challenge you to share that hope with others because our world is in desperate need of a Savior. May we do our part That we might experience the joy of being a part of those who celebrate and receive the abundance from around God's table. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us. I thank you for your word and the opportunity that we have just to gather in your name. And Lord, I thank you that we get to not only encounter and experience you, but Lord, we get to share your hope with others. And God, as we look at our world, as as we see the things that go on all around us, we see the darkness, we see those things that discourage, those things that break. Yet, Lord, you long to, to intervene in our world with your grace, to transform it through your life, through the power of your resurrection. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be moved by hope. To move beyond our fears, to move beyond our difficulties. That God, we might be the people you've called us to be, to shine your light and to show your love. Lord, would you increase our joy as we share it with others?